Many SaaS companies struggle with attributing the results that they get to the marketing investments that they make. Now, a common scenario is that they're paying for a lot of qualified leads on a platform like LinkedIn ads, but they're not really sure how important that investment is for their acquisition of new customers overall. Now, when this happens, they'll do one of two things. One is get frustrated looking at charts, tables, and reports in various analytics or CRM tools. And two is that they'll give up and buy into the popular narrative that attribution doesn't work at all. Now, both of these outcomes are alarmingly common, but they're both flawed approaches that ultimately lead to an inability to make meaningful marketing investments or the argument that the marketing organization contributes to the bottom line at all. Now, we have frequently seen that companies fail at marketing attribution because they're overly focused on a one or two data point. And they're more concerned with metrics than they are with insights. In this episode, we'll discuss why marketers struggle so painfully with marketing attribution, why the prevailing narrative that self-reported attribution is a panacea is extremely poor, and how to use an attribution matrix to build a better attribution model for your marketing activity. Now, by the end of this episode, you'll have a framework to help you build an attribution model that works for your specific company so that you can make more confident investment choices. And if you'd like help building that model for making better SaaS marketing choices, you should book a marketing plan session with our team and we can work through the problem with you directly. You just go to poweredbysearch.com forward slash assessment. We'll see you there. I'm Mark Thomas. I'm the head of growth at Powered by Search. And today I'm going to talk you through some of the best knowledge that we have on building B2B SaaS businesses. Now, if any of this is interesting to you and you want to read more, you should go to our website. It's poweredbysearch.com and check us out there. For many marketers, even thinking about marketing attribution is a task they'd like to avoid. In fact, whenever I ask a marketer what they struggle with most, it's usually proving the ROI of their work. They know how it's going, but they can't point to the data that shows that. And many people will try to use tools like Google Analytics, Data Studio, or even reports on HubSpot or Salesforce to show the returns they're generating through their work. But no matter which analytics or reporting platform they use, they almost always run into a classic marketing technology problem. Each platform has an inherent bias towards attributing conversions to whichever product they're selling alongside analytics. HubSpot reports, for example, always major on the impact of content and landing pages in your marketing. Google Analytics obviously wants you to tell them that paying for leads and traffic through Google Ads is the best choice. And so they use attribution models that favor their own product suite. So it's hard to even get a feel of how important any one piece of information or data might be when it's gathered from a marketing product. This deeply problematic issue is made worse by the fact that our data literacy is actually very low as a society. Now, this is definitely not a personal indictment of marketers. I'm in the same camp, but the problem is much broader than the marketing profession as a whole. It's hard for us to really understand and question the data because we receive next to no formal education in data analysis outside of scientific or mathematical contexts. Being able to find a response to a question like, how much traffic did we generate, is not the same skill 
as being able to answer a question like, how much impact did X, Y, or Z piece of content have on downstream revenue within A, B, and C segment? It's only natural then that the attitude towards marketing attribution is becoming more and more simplistic. Data analysis and modeling is extremely hard. But before we explain an easy model for improving, let's just dive in and take a look at what happens when we simplify in the wrong way. Why the prevailing narrative that self-reported attribution is a panacea is extremely poor. At the start of the pandemic, it became increasingly popular to believe that the only really accurate way to work out where to invest was to ask people with an open form field and the question, where did you hear about us? Now, a big driver and narrative around their argument is the pain point that I just shared, that MarTech vendors are incentivized to take credit for conversions or revenue, and so it makes little sense to trust them. The widespread use of this tactic was made possible by a relatively small number of LinkedIn influencers and their fans who viciously argue and ridicule anyone who disagrees. It is an extremely negative culture. But niceness aside, this model is also extremely flawed. Firstly, it assumes that leads are better at remembering your marketing than they may be in reality. Your marketing strategy likely involves a handful of channels with multiple campaigns, content types, and formats. Now, even in a simple marketing strategy, there are dozens of ways that prospects can interact with you at different times. Take a fictitious example here. Now, I'm going to use open phone, but they actually don't use the where did you hear about a sign up because they have a more robust model of marketing attribution. They are smart people. So a couple of points here. My friend Ronnie announces on Twitter that he's starting a new job at a company called open phone Two. So I click on his profile and check out open phones website where I see a blog post that speaks to a pain that I'm having entitled examples of how people are closing more deals through SMS. I decide that I'd like to try their product and have a free trial, but then someone calls me and I need to talk to them. So I forget entirely about open phone and I go and put out that fire. Now, a couple of days later, I'm browsing LinkedIn and see one of open phones ads. So I go and check it out again. And I remember that I wanted to sign up, but when asked, where did you hear about us? I say, my friend Ronnie just joined the company. Now, in this scenario, if I'm putting all of my marketing investment choices into the answer to that one question, and yeah, I'm being a bit frivolous here, I'm going to just end up asking all my employees to start tweeting that they've joined the company. But the reality is the conversion path was way more complex than that. And if I build my marketing system around the answers to that open field text box, I wouldn't be able to send the traffic that Ronnie so brilliantly made aware of my product anywhere to convert. After all, I wouldn't have developed the content or run the ad campaign that actually built the awareness. So self-attribution is about as useful as a screen door on a submarine if it's taken alone. Now, the second major flaw is that it ignores several cognitive biases, such as recency bias. Take, for example, these Facebook ads that I've put into the accompanying blog post. There's a link in the show notes that Monday are running at the moment. There's three ads side by side, and they all show a different version of the value proposition next to a quote that's attributed to future you. Now, if you use Facebook, it's extremely likely that you've seen one of those. And so you know what Monday does and what it may be like to use the product. 
But when I ask you in a form, where did you hear about us? A bunch of factors come into play. The recency bias will likely cause your brain to believe that the place that you heard about Monday was whichever one of these ads you remember seeing, even if you've been seeing Monday's content for months or even years. In fact, in a marvelously inventive test, Dream Data found that leads were more often than not incorrectly reporting their first touch on a sample of 100 form submissions where they asked for the self-reported attribution. Now, as a marketer asking this question, answers affected by the recency bias and taken at face value will only cause you to make flawed marketing investments in the future. And the final issue here is that by solely relying on word of mouth attribution, you're likely to stop investing in a healthy channel mix at all. If your prospects are commonly influenced by content and SEO and tell you as much, you may think that you could stop investing in paid media altogether. But when you do that, you risk impacting the ability to drive good fit traffic on demand. And the inverse is actually also true. If you remove content and SEO investments based on your understanding that most leads see an ad on Twitter and then convert, because ultimately they tell you directly, then you'll find that your acquisition costs raise significantly. And by the way, there's an illustration in the accompanying blog post, the link is in the show notes, where I've shown you what that looks like in reality. It's kind of like a flywheel. Now, a marketing mix tends to reduce overall cost because it recognizes that demand rarely comes through a single channel. Self-reported attribution ultimately is not a good model for decision-making when building a SaaS marketing system. It leads people to myopic views of their own marketing investment. And while it may be significantly easier, I agree, to slap a form field on your lead form and call it a day, this also leads to terrible impacts on your ability to make accurate choices about your marketing mix. But here's the question. If data from marketing attribution tools and reporting tools isn't good and self-attribution is flawed, then how should marketers be making choices about their investment? Well, we think that the answer is to use an attribution matrix to build a narrative around multiple data sources. And in the next section, we'll explain how to do that in practice. How to use an attribution matrix to build a better attribution model for your marketing activity. Rather than thinking in terms of metrics and data points as holding the answer, it's more useful to think about every data point as being a contributing detail to a data story. Now, in a story, there are fine and broad details as well as clear and unclear details. But no story is complete without a narrative to align all of that. And that's why it's useful to think about attributing impact of every marketing activity on a matrix where the axes are qualitative, not measured by numbers, and quantitative, measurable by numbers, versus low confidence and high confidence. Now, this is a much more natural way to assess a variety of different data sources because it takes into account the failures and successes of both qualitative and quantitative sources, helping you to build a rich and flexible picture of your performance. But how do we take all that information from the following sources and use them in reality? I mean, we're talking about ad platforms, web traffic analytics, social engagement, community engagement, CRM data, and also you got to think about this, new, innovative, or additional data sources that you currently don't have but may appear in the future. After all, technology is evolving rapidly. 
Realistically, you need a framework for classifying them, such as the following. And if you want to see a diagram of this in reality, to if you're a visual learner like I am actually, you can look at the accompanying blog post. There is a version of what we call the marketing attribution matrix right there in the post. Again, links in the show notes. So there are four segments. The first one is key narrative, which is qualitative high confidence signals. Some examples here may be, yeah, self-reported on calls, demos, and sure, form feels. But also, and this is controversial, sometimes your own gut feel. You are instinctively smarter than you think you are. Your body is set up to do this. Many studies have actually shown this to be true as well. The second segment is supporting points. So these are qualitative low confidence signals. Some examples here might be comments on social posts. Number three is key reports. So quantitative high confidence signals. For example, ad platform data. And number four is supporting metrics. So quantitative low confidence signals. For example, engagement with email marketing. Just on a side here quickly. Why is email marketing engagement actually a low confidence signal? Well, it's because there are many different versions of how you define each one of these metrics. So for example, how do I define open rate? That changes from product to product. How do I know that somebody didn't just accidentally run through their inbox a heap of times? And actually, they didn't really open my email 26 times because they were interested in the content. They opened it 26 times just because it was between two other emails that they kept opening and they were running with their keyboard down the thing. Honestly, that genuinely happens. And that's why it's a low confidence signal, but sometimes it could be useful. But it's in the combination, really, of multiple quadrants and sources on this matrix that the magic actually happens. And this is important. If I'm a marketer who tends to lean on qualitative signals, and yes, that's me, I do, then I know that in addition to the key narrative, I should add in key reports and supporting metrics to get a richer picture of what's working and what's not. Whereas if I'm a classic quant, then I should take supporting metrics and supporting points and add them to my key report in order to test the quality of my reporting. Now, combining models in this way makes sure that I no longer take that myopic view of my marketing investment. I know that all of those activities count and I can begin to build a narrative around what's working for our marketing and how important each piece may be. For example, and totally hypothetically here, two things. I may be able to directly counter qualitative feedback that our ads aren't that important by adding in data around who commented on those ads. I could also add email marketing performance data to common entries on our self-reported form fields that say variations of your blog posts are great. And thank you if you've messaged in. I don't know why I used that tone of voice. It really matters. To learn that it's actually marketing automation and lead nurturing that drives the awareness of our blog posts in the first place. You see, now I have a data story, a narrative about an individual lead or a wider segment. Both of these things matter. Let's pull this all together. Marketing attribution is not black and white. A common scenario is that they're paying a lot for qualified leads on a platform like LinkedIn ads. 
but that SaaS companies are not really sure how important that investment is for their acquisition of new customers. It's not uncommon to find marketers are frustrated with the data-heavy approach that they're taking because they can't get the answers that they want and end up turning to weak attribution models like self-reported attribution. But this is a flawed approach that ultimately leads to an inability to make meaningful marketing investments or the argument that the marketing organization contributes to the bottom line at all. Instead of just looking at one data point though, or even at one kind of data set in a marketing attribution model, B2B SaaS marketers should begin to move towards building a narrative around the combination of the following. Key narrative, that's qualitative high confidence signals. Supporting points, that's qualitative low confidence signals. Key reports, that's quantitative high confidence signals. And supporting metrics, that's quantitative low signals. Sure. Attribution is complicated and confusing. I don't think anyone's going to tell you otherwise. But don't let a LinkedIn marketing guru tell you that you shouldn't try at least to throw some quantitative light on the dark room of your marketing investment. I'll see you next time. Now, if you enjoyed that today and you want to do something about your B2B SaaS marketing, you should get in touch with us. You can do that by going to poweredbysearch.com and checking out our assessment page, or you can browse the case studies and blogs that we have on the site. Now, if you're not ready to do that, definitely say hi anyway. You can ping me on Twitter. I'm at I am Mark Thomas, that's Mark with a C. Or you can ping our founder and CEO, Dev Basu, and connect with us there. Looking forward to seeing you again for another episode.